0: This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDT. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. As we continue our discussion around grief and trauma through the pandemic, let's shift gears a little bit and take a look at how Detroit's funeral homes and memorial print shops are handling the coronavirus through a business lens. Imani Mixon is a journalist based in Detroit, and she recently wrote a story for Detour Detroit on this topic in which she talked with black-owned legacy businesses in the city to find out how they've had to pivot and work together to honor the lives of those who've died from COVID-19. Amani joins us now. Amani, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Hey, Stephen. Thanks for having me.
0: Yes, and also we have Elizabeth Mays, who is the owner of Mays Multimedia, formerly Mays Printing. Um, uh, Elizabeth, welcome to Detroit Today as well.
2: Hello, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I appreciate
0: that, yes. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth, I'm gonna start with you. You are the owner of May's Multimedia, a business that prints a lot of event and wedding invitations around this time of the year, but your business, I'm sure, is looking very different right now. Talk about what this pandemic has meant for you and May's Multimedia.
2: Oh yeah, most definitely. Um, Right now, in this very moment, um, an average day would be literally working on several events um around the city of detroit and even outside of detroit um conferences galas workshops seminars um you know fairs Uh, we do a lot of event printing but back in early march was when we started getting notifications that hey we're not sure if we're going to be having this event um can you put this on hold and immediately then i knew that there was going to be a shift and that i would immediately have to figure out how we're going to compensate the fact that covid was hitting michigan and um and if events weren't happening, that meant that seventy percent of our businesses was going to decline. Mm. Uh, yeah, so uh we ended up we ended up um really just having to spend a lot of time, energy, and money on marketing in the memorial division because I knew that if it was going to sweep our our communities, that uh, memorial programs were going to increase, and also the likelihood of a company that could actually be able to provide the technical services and products um, was going to be limited as well. And since then we have seen an alarming amount of programs that have come in from individuals who've lost loved ones who were battling COVID for a few days um, and even families who have lost their grandmothers and mothers and aunts and cousins um, over uh, several weeks. Hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, Imani, talk about the black business synergy that you referenced Uh, was referenced by one of the people In your piece, explain that in the context of the funeral industry here in Detroit and the larger sort of business community response to the grief that people are feeling.
1: For sure. That was a term that Antonio Green used of um, James H. Cole's funeral home. Mm -hmm. And when I heard it, I was like, that's just a beautiful way to put this. Um, And I think for a long time, especially in Detroit, you know, black people and black businesses have relied on each other to make it through tough moments. But the flavor of that reliance kind of changes when you have a global pandemic. Like this is not just something that is on the ground that we can touch and change, but like everybody is touched by it and changed by it. So I thought that was extremely beautiful and especially necessary if you're thinking about how your business is going to survive after this.
0: Yeah. Uh, Imani, also talk about the virtual grieving spaces that you write Mm. about in your piece.
1: Right, for sure. So I feel like um, with... Elizabeth's business, you know, the way that people can make their own memorials basically through the digital portal that she started is amazing. Um, and, you know, sort of limits the exposure, exposure that you would have otherwise. And then um, James H. Cole Funeral Home offers like a live stream service. And before I even spoke to him, I saw a couple of live streams shared on Facebook because, you know, that's where people gather, especially right now. And it just felt like a sense of care and understanding that we are not a people that can just put somebody in the ground and not get our eyes on them. That's right. Um, so it's not extremely important, even though it is different and a little scary and all these different things, like we still need to have that connection. And, um, as, as much as we can't do things in person, there is still some tie that has to be had.
0: Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth, uh, you you tested positive for COVID-19 at the end of March. Uh, Talk about what that was like as someone who's spending so much time trying to help other people deal Mm -hmm. with the consequences of of the pandemic and the the, the death and and despair that uh, that it brings with it.
2: Oh, my goodness. Um, It was one of the most um, emotional roller coasters that I've ever dealt with in my entire life. Um, our business is solely focused on interpersonal communication, so we're sitting with families, we're working with individuals, we're talking face-to-face, we're in spaces for at least an hour to two hours, and when everything shifted, everything turned digital. Um, and right when everything shifted was when I actually started to deal with a loss of my senses of taste and smell, mm. and I immediately started having, like, you know, uh, under, I couldn't understand why I was having so much fatigue. And at that time, uh, this was when news was really starting to bring in exactly what this uh, virus was looking like in terms of symptoms, especially for younger people. And when I lost it, I didn't know what was going on. And I'm a foodie. So I was like, "Okay, this is not good. I can't eat. I can't smell. I can't enjoy. Like, and then it's, I started having fatigue, and it started turning into me waking up in the morning, closer to eight, where before I was waking up six thirty to seven. So I decided to start to self isolate myself because I did not know if I was viral. And I went to go get a test just to be you know, safe and sorry instead of, you know, instead of being around my family and loved ones at that time. And that's when they told me that, um that I had the virus and I tested positive mm-hmm. and it was it was it was more mentally um overwhelming than it was physically because you don't know what it will evolve into and my biggest concern was who was I around who did I touch who did I hug and how do I tell this news to my loved ones that I tested positive and I'm praying that the ones that I know that have pre-existing conditions that they don't you know, have to hear that news for themselves as well. Right. Um, so I had to self-isolate myself while running the business um, because we had to furlough a few employees and then we had to cut back a lot of employees from full-time to part-time um, based upon what was coming in to kind of get a gauge of how business was going to run itself. But either way, I couldn't slow down. I had to stay home. I had to stay isolated. I had to stay, you know, to myself. And mentally trying to process that I'm hoping that this doesn't turn worse um, was one of the most emotional things that I had to deal with. And I'm pretty sure a lot of other people had to deal with as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moni, Mixon, you know, we we talk a lot in Detroit about uh, the resilience, that word we use a lot to describe ourselves and our community. Um, listening to Elizabeth talk about being sick mm-hmm. and trying to balance that with the needs of her business and the needs mm-hmm. of the people who rely on her business really that word comes up in my mind just kind of over again, over and over again. I'm I'm sure that's what you're seeing and hearing when you're talking to other businesses, especially black businesses here in the city of Detroit.
1: For sure. I think you can be resilient without necessarily wanting to be tested Mm. (laughs) by the world. (laughs) You know, So I think everybody I've spoken to um, has, like wonderfully and gracefully handled everything. But there is this sense that you never know what you're walking into. You never know what people are going through. So a lot of the rules that I would typically follow as a reporter or the schedule and deadlines that I would aspire to are just simply not possible. And I'm grateful that we're in a place where we can be vulnerable and say, look, I'm dealing with these five things. I can't talk right now, maybe tomorrow, maybe a Saturday morning or something like that. So I think that There are many ways to test the resilience of Detroit, and I think that there's so many pockets in the city that just were not ready for this, Mm. and there was no way for us to prepare. So I think that Mm. sort of adds an extra layer of um, just uncertainty to this moment.
0: Yeah, it really does. Uh, Let's go to Alberta in Detroit. Alberta, welcome to the program. Thank you very much mm-hmm. i just want to say
2: when you get up look up and give thanks
0: i also <laughs> right. want to
2: say that the future of detroit and michigan and these united states are in good hands with women like the two you have on right now <laughs>
0: i want to commend imani i want to commend elizabeth and they make the world better mm-hmm. and so everyone should be encouraged to mm-hmm. a higher degree wow. listening to mm-hmm. these sisters Alberta <laughs> that's a very you. sweet thing to call and and say I'm really glad yeah. uh, I'm really glad you did that um, Elizabeth mm-hmm. I, I, we've only got a, a, about a minute and a half left but but I want you yeah. to talk a little about the future the future yeah. for your business the future for the community that your business exists in uh, mm-hmm. this will this will end someday what what will be different about? all of the things that uh, that you do and interact with uh, when it is over?
2: Oh, you know what? Um, Half of me is uncertain um, because, you know, the whole economic, you know, situation of businesses, especially small businesses are, you know, really trying to figure out how they're going to push and progress day to day and also stay innovative. Um And then the other part of me is very, very hopeful because I know where our roots are in terms of our services and products and how we've been so instrumental with helping families grieve and cope and put their loved ones to rest. Um, I know that's going to be something that we're continually going to be doing and servicing and just being a beacon of light in the city, as I've been told by so many of my loved ones and clients and friends. Um, So right now, it's really about just definitely paving the way and continually being accessible and available to our clients because they're going through so much right now. And I had a client who lost her mother and her grandmother within a week. Mm. And right when we were doing the obituary in Bacha Print, she called me to tell me her aunt passed away. Mm. And it's a very heavy feeling, but at the same time, giving them assurance that this is the final piece of the uh, of the process in which we're going to help to memorialize your loved one, and it, it literally like relieves so much pressure. Um, so we're going to continually do that, continuously be here, and uh, constantly innovate our ways through our digital platforms to meet the needs of our customers for sure.
0: Okay, Amani Mixon mm-hmm. and Elizabeth Mays it was really really great to have you with us here.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. you. We appreciate mm-hmm. you guys. Mm-hmm.
0: And yet again, you can check out. Imani Mixon's story about this at Detour Detroit. That's going to do it for us today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk more tomorrow.